May the grace and mercy and peace from our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit be with all of you. There's this kindergarten teacher, and she has a couple minutes left at the end of class, and so she tells her students to draw a picture. So all the kids get ready and they start drawing a picture, and as the teacher walks around and she you know, in the kindergarten class, as she walks around and she looks at the kids drawing pictures, she notices a young girl, one of her students, and she's drawing real, real fervently. And the teacher comes up and she says, well, what are you drawing? And the little girl says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher's surprised. She says, well, no one really knows what God looks like. And the, te- the little girl, without missing a beat, she says, well, they will in a minute. Brothers and sisters, they say that a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Time and time again, but it's not true that you and I and humans in general can never really know someone through pictures. You keep photo albums, right, of, of your family. We have pictures of the family dog. We have pictures of the family on vacation. We have a picture of the youngest sibling eating spaghetti and their faces all full of sauce. We keep these pictures to remind us of all those special moments. A picture of dad working on the roof, of grandpa, grandma holding the kids. All of these pictures that we hold near and dear to our heart. But it isn't these pictures that we use to get to know those that we love. It's by living with them, by sharing those moments with them, by getting to know them and sharing our hopes, our dreams, our love with them. And if this is true of one another, then how much more true would it be with God? Brothers and sisters, today we celebrate a special day. In the church we call it Holy Trinity. And so we're here today to be reminded that the Trinity isn't some sort of problem that we have to uh, fix or some sort of theoretical analysis that we have to wrap our brains around and try to figure out because it's three in one, one in three, but yet... You know what the Holy Trinity is, brothers and sisters? The Holy Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, And our most powerful message that we have is for you to have a relationship with Him. That's really what we come to church for, to get to know how we can get into this relationship with Him. The very nature of God is three persons, and a continuous relationship with Him is what He wants from us. And He's always looking for you, always, always. He pursues you and is looking for you wherever you go so that you may have a relationship with Him. And you know something? Every one of us, believers, have a relationship with God. That's true. But also, as we've probably heard before, even those that don't really believe in Him have a relationship with Him. Did you know that? Even those that say, there's no such thing as God. They also have a relationship with God. Those that deny His existence, everyone has a relationship with the Lord. But my question for you this morning is what kind of relationship do you have with God? 
What kind of relationship do you have? Is it one where God is a holy one? A loving God, a graceful God, a merciful one. Is it? Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we, we, we look to our relationship with God and we kind of see God like a grandpa. It, you know, God, he did a lot of amazing things in his past and he was full of life. But nowadays, he's not really up to a whole lot. You know, he's more, he's more just kind of just resting, taking care of himself nowadays. He's past his prime. But brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, is the same today, and is the same tomorrow and forever. God does not change. Maybe, brothers and sisters, our relationship with God, or maybe your relationship with God is that of one more along the lines of a police officer. One where God's kind of just waiting for you to do something to kind of catch you. Boom. You're sinning. I got you, right? Kind of like a police officer that's kind of waiting in the back uh, around the, the corner, waiting for you to speed right past so that he can catch you and send you off. And while it is true, brothers and sisters, that God is the judge of this world and universe, and there will come a time where we will stand before him, the Bible says that God is a God of love, a God of patience, a God of mercy. So patient, so merciful, so loving for you that he sent his only son to die on the cross so that when you do have that chance, so when you do appear before God on the day of judgment, he won't say, depart from me. I never knew you. He'll welcome you with open arms and take you in as his own because you knew who God was through Christ, his son, who was sent for you. Or maybe your relationship, brothers and sisters, is one of like, where God is kind of like a magic genie, kind of like some sort of best friend or a buddy or, or like a butler or something. And I know it's weird to think of God this way and, it's, and you wouldn't necessarily say that about God, but the only times that you talk to him and it kind of sounds like, hey God, I kind of need a new job. I don't like it here. Hey, you know, I, I'd, really, I'd really need a new house. You know, maybe, maybe three bedrooms is better than two. Hey God, you know, if you really pull me out of this one, I promise, blank. And trust me, brothers and sisters, God, he doesn't always give you what you want. But he always gives you exactly what you need. Do you believe this, brothers and sisters? God always gives you exactly what you need and what you and I need today, here, this morning, tomorrow, next year. What you and I need is a relationship with him. What he seeks for you is to have a relationship with God, with himself. What you and I need more desperately than anything else is a better relationship with him. All of these different ways to see God 
But the only true way to find out who he is, what he is, what he wants, and what he's done and what he's capable of doing is by opening his word, by getting to know his scripture, by getting to know his story, by getting to know who Christ is and what he came to do on a cross and what he did three days later. Going back to that teacher at the beginning, what did she say? She said, well, no one's really seen God, right? Well, that's not entirely true, is it? And we didn't really get to read it today, but we'll go through it throughout the sermon. There's a book in the Bible called Isaiah, and Isaiah was a prophet, and he saw God. God revealed to him in a vision, and when God revealed himself to Isaiah, Isaiah saw God, and really his whole life changed. Everything wasn't the same afterwards. And this is the same for you and I, brothers and sisters. See, when you look and when you realize and when you start to see the true God, things start to happen. Things start to, to change. If you really see who God is and what he is about and who he is, you start to realize a couple things, brothers and sisters. And one of the first things you realize, and one of the first things we'll read here, is that the true God is holy. Holy. And so we read in the prophet, in the book of Isaiah, in the first year, King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting up on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Let's pay attention to these words, brothers and sisters. Isaiah had trusted the king at the time, and he had put his trust more on Israel and King Uzziah. And so when King Uzziah died and Israel was not, you know, in the best of shape, Isaiah was kind of flustered. He didn't know what to do. So God revealed to himself to show, hey, your trust is in the wrong person. And so he reveals himself to, God, to Isaiah. And Isaiah writes, The train of his robe filled the temple. Now, I had to do some research for this because I'm no expert in wedding dresses. I have zero knowledge on that. But I found out that the longer the train, apparently that's what drags along at the, at the end of the, of the dress, the longer the train is, the more beautiful the gown is, the wedding dress, the more majestic it is. And so I found out that Princess Diana's wedding dress, her train was 25 feet long. That's pretty long. But then there was another queen a couple of years or centuries or something before that, that her dress, the train on her wedding gown, was from the front of the altar all the way to the back of the church. Uh, that's pretty majestic, but if you think that's something, Isaiah writes, the train of our Lord, his robe filled the temple. Filled the temple. How beautiful is our Lord. How majestic is our Lord. And so we keep reading in verse 2, and above stood the seraphim, the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. Now, maybe a couple of you guys are thinking, well, what in the world is a seraphim? 
well, the Bible talks about these seraphim, these angelic creatures, not necessarily angels, but angelic beings that are made to serve God. And their name, seraphim, literally translates to the burning ones. They were so amazed to be in the presence of God that they covered their face. They couldn't bear witness His glory. They couldn't look upon Him. And so with two hands, they covered their face. With two hands, they covered their their feet as a sign of humility. And then with two wings, they flew as a sign of service to God. And quick, quick question, maybe you guys don't know, but what did... I'm sure you guys do. What did one of the seraphim call to another? What did they say? Holy. Holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Brothers and sisters, these seraphim, they could have said a a lot of things. They could have said that God is love. 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 Right? They could have said, and they would be correct, they could have said God is powerful, powerful, powerful. And they would have still been right. But what did they say? They said that God is what? Holy. Holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. There's no one like Him. There's no one like Him. Brothers and sisters, let us remember that as we continue to celebrate, as we move and we leave today. Let us remember that God is holy. And so we continue in verse 4. And the foundations of the threshold shook the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. I have a question for you. Have you seen God? Hmm. Weird one, right? Weird question. Have you seen God? Because if you've seen God, then you'll realize that our God, our Creator God, our true God, is holy, as we've figured it out through Isaiah. And so is the relationship that we have with God one where we recognize that He is holy? Is it? When's the last time that you recognize His holiness? When's the last time that you got on your face before God and said, God, I can't even look at you. God, I can't even... I'm ashamed. When's the last time you fell on your knees before the Lord and said, God, you're nothing like me. You're so beyond me. You're so holy. You're so precious. You're so holy. That's one thing that happens to us when we realize that He's holy. And so, the flip side of that is when we realize that God is holy, then something else happens. We start to realize that that you and I, we're sinners. When God encounters you, and there's there's a clash, there's a clash of His kingdom and the kingdom of darkness, and, and, and they fight for you, which, by the way, that battle has already been won by him who died on the cross for you, you realize that I'm a sinner. 
Yes, he's holy. He's God. And we read in chapter 5, Isaiah says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, brothers and sisters, you and I, we're not like God. We're not. And in fact, the Bible says something about sinners. It says that all have fallen short. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And it also says that the wages of sin for sinners like you and I is death. But the good news, brothers and sisters, is that it doesn't end there. The Bible continues later on and says that the free gift of God the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ for you. For you. That is the good news, brothers and sisters. The good news that you just heard today, right here, right now, is that Jesus Christ, through him, you can be made new again. A new person. You can be transformed. You're no longer just a sinner. You're a saint, but only through him who had so much patience, so much love, that God sent his son to die on the cross to cleanse you. There's no sin that you have that his blood cannot wash away. Now, you and I, we can try and try and try and try. And in fact, the very existence of New Year's resolutions proves the fact that Every year we just, oh, this year I'm really going to try hard. This year I'm really going to try hard. But, you know, the cycle is never broken. But Christ breaks that cycle. There's no sin that he cannot take away. He's adopted you, you know, into his family. From the moment of your baptism, the day that you were baptized, he called you by first and last name. Not just son, he called you by first and last name into his family. So that today, all the days of your life, you may get to know him. You may get to know him and have a relationship with him. And we move forward as we continue to see God through his word and we realize that he is holy and that we are sinners. There's one kind of last thing to do. There's the last thing that I'll talk about for today at least. You can either run away you try to hide from God, or you can enter into a relationship with Him. We read in verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hands a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. So if God is holy, and I'm a sinner, God is holy and you're a sinner, then what are you going to do? What am I going to do? Isaiah had the opportunity to receive the coal from the altar. This burning coal, brothers and sisters, is a reminder of the sacrifices that used to happen in the Old Testament 
where animals were sacrificed, lambs and bulls and calves and, and, and all kinds of things were sacrificed. And it says, and he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. This was foreshadowing what Christ would come to do for you. With his shedding of his blood, the greatest shedding of blood, the greatest sacrifice that has ever happened in the history of the world, the sacrifice that was done by him who John the Baptist said, look, here he comes. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of who? Of the world. Of you. Of you. Of me. And so Christ, he comes wherever you are. Whatever your sin is, with love and mercy and forgiveness, and he takes away not only your sin, as we read, not only your sin, but he takes away your guilt, brothers and sisters. He takes away your guilt. Because it's normal to feel bad when you sin and you, you repent. See, that's the sign of true repentance, having guilt. It's called being contrite of heart. When you come to the Lord and you say, sorry, Lord, forgive me. Not only does he say, your sins are forgiven, but he removes the tears away. He removes your guilt. You don't have to feel bad no more. He tells you your sins are atoned for. I paid for them. Don't think about that anymore. And after you realize that this freedom that Christ has given to you, brothers and sisters, there's one more thing that happens. After you realize who God is, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, which he's working within you right here, right now, we believe that. After you realize who this triune God is, we, re we read in the last verse of Isaiah, and it says, And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's God speaking. And then what did Isaiah say? He said, And then I said, Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. Send me, Lord. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, if you know who God is and you know what he has done on that cross, did three days later, don't you think he could do that for someone else? Don't you think he did that for someone else? Who is that person? Me? You? Maybe your brother? Maybe your sister? Maybe your mom, maybe your dad, a loved one, a co-worker. If God was able to save you, can't he save someone else? And so, brothers and sisters, when we read in chapter 8, and we realize that God is holy and we are sinners, but yet he has taken that sin away, there's nothing else but to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I'll be the one, Lord. I'll be the one that goes to work. Send me to work. I'll be the one that goes to school. I'll be the one that goes and talks to the ones that don't want to talk to you. I'll be the one, send me, Lord, to talk to those that people don't really want to talk to. To those that kind of, you know, society looks down upon. I'll be the one, Lord. Send me. It doesn't matter if I'm 15. 
It doesn't matter if I'm 25. It doesn't matter if I'm 30, if I'm 40, if I'm 80, if I'm 90. Lord, send me. Christ came, brothers and sisters. He came so that you can be born again, as we read in the uh, Gospel of St. John, so you can be born again and have new life, but only through His blood, only through His sacrifice, and through His resurrection, you can be saved. And then you can be the one to raise your hand and say, send me, Lord. I'll be the one to talk for you. And so in this time, brothers and sisters, uh, in this time of celebration of the Holy Trinity, may God, the Father, through his word, through the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, who is also God, strengthen your relationship with Christ, who is also God, so that you may have a better relationship with him. Amen.